Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome back to Old Soul Archaeology Point of Departure. This is Imaginal Alchemy Part 2, and I am Michelle Janae. So last week, I talked a little bit about imaginal alchemy, what that looks like, comparing it somewhat to active imagination. That was Carl Jung's tool that he would use in therapy to help people find answers within themselves and to resolve situations and to heal. And so we broke down some of those things and what it means to regain a sense of self an inner authority, and really become more authentic. And this is really a tough topic to address because we all like to think that we're thinking. We all like to think that we're authentic, that we're being ourselves, that, and and yet there's this niggling little part of us that wonders, am I complying with some dogma? Am I towing the line? Am I trying to get all the right answers regardless of who's talking to me, which means that it might conflict from moment to moment? Because Joe's right answer is different from Hannah's right answer is different from Bill's right answer. I mean, everybody has different opinions. And so when we're trying to please people, and we don't have a sense of our own voice, it can become very, very exhausting. It's actually depressing. Uh, I believe that it has caused depression in me in the past. So as old soul archaeology has developed, what old soul archaeology is about, if I can reiterate that, is that I believe everyone is an old soul. And what I mean by old soul is connected to source, connected to God, connected to the divine, however you want to define that. I have the ability to allow for open interpretation of God because only God knows God. Um, Our human minds can't quite conceive it. And so I refuse to box myself in to a certain dogma, this one or that one or the other one, um, and really allow for source divine to just be an essence, to be a wisdom And so this old soul that we all are, we kind of have to dig up. We have to peel back the layers. A lot of people like to use the imagery of an onion. You're peeling back the layers to get to the root of who we are. Although I've peeled back an onion and I'm not sure what in the middle of it represents the true self. I'll just say that. But the the peeling back of the layers certainly works until you get to the middle. It's Maybe it's cracking open the clam to get to the pearl or whatever the metaphor is you want to use. So old soul archaeology is really digging deep to rediscover this connection to the divine, to rediscover the connection to inner wisdom, to bring down the curtains, the illusions, and the forced thoughts and mind programs that we're fed from the time we're in preschool, 
even from before that, our well-meaning parents uh, start very early. And I was one of those parents. I was one of those parents who very much, certainly I tried to give my kids a, a good moral foundation, but I also could see where I was definitely boxing them in and maybe not allowing them to experience the world for themselves. And now that they're 22 and 14, I see things a lot differently. And we have to go back and we have to work on healing some things because I'm still healing. And so now I encourage them to make decisions for themselves. We talk about things. Obviously, the you know, the 14-year-old isn't making decisions that the 22-year-old is by any stretch of the imagination. But we talk about the implications and the consequences of decisions instead of do what I say. Just do what I say because I said so, which is how I was brought up. And so I would do a lot of things or I wouldn't do a lot of things out of fear. And I really wouldn't know the whys. And so consequently, I would not even understand why I was doing what I was doing or or how to mitigate certain circumstances. So enough about that. That's old soul archaeology, digging deep to rediscover your connection to your own inner wisdom and to the divine. So today we want to start talking about imaginal alchemy and meeting shadow in a sense. Um, the interesting thing about old old soul archaeology and imaginal alchemy is that at least for me it's been a very beautiful process it's been amazing getting to know myself it hasn't really been scary it's been enlightening it's been challenging for sure to kind of look at my own thoughts and belief systems and work through them as I mentioned on my last last podcast a couple people noticed something they thought was scary in one of the images, but they worked through them. And in a lot of dream work philosophies, if you meet the monster in your dream and you walk up to him, the monster almost dissolves. It's almost like the monster has become something so big in our mind that when we avoid it, it actually grows bigger. It like feeds off of our fear. And so when we confront it, we find that usually it, it shapeshifts into something that was just a misunderstanding. So in this respect, it is important that the conversations that develop in the imaginal alchemy process of dialogue be real, possibly and probably more real than the carefully guarded and politically correct conversations we have in real life. I have to laugh at that real life. Our real life is so scripted sometimes, and you're supposed to say it this way, and you're supposed to do it that way, and that's considered to be real. So anyways, moving on. Political correctness is not authenticity. It's control. Honesty is authenticity. And we hope for sure that it's an educated and well-mannered honesty, but sometimes that has to be learned. And sometimes as people are learning to be honest, it is a little bit less educated because they're fighting against this need to not be politically correct or to not conform. And there's this almost like this tension of a rubber band being pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled until it snaps. And so then there's the need for awareness and reflection and to learn a trust in self, because that's another thing, learning our inner wisdom. We have to learn to trust ourselves and we're not really 
we're not really taught to trust ourselves. So sometimes when we don't trust ourselves, we can kind of get either way on the offensive or really defensive or both. So we must be careful not to continue to indulge ourselves with illusions about who and what we are as a way to find only our good side. Let me say first that good is a judgmental interpretation by someone else. We need to know our shadow for ourselves and then decide what is good. There are many times that what has been put into shadow is something that has been shamed out of us and is actually a beautiful thing. For some, it might be this gregarious nature that was a little bit too loud for one of the parents. And so it it hid in shadow. And so then the child reverts into this very shy child, but this gregarious nature in shadow kind of lashes out sometimes wanting to be heard. And it's not a bad thing at all because it's in shadow, but because it wants to be seen in its darkness, it will do things to get into the light that it wouldn't normally have done. We're kind of getting deep into some of the psychology of it, but let us know, again, let me say this, let us know shadow for ourselves and then decide what is good. This is the only way to truly transform. To deny shadow for the illusion is one of the dangers of the journey. Again, back to the poor shy little girl. If she denies her gregarious nature for the illusion of needing to conform to be only seen and not heard, there can be serious consequences, not just to her own psyche, but to how she acts out in society and how she decides to live her life, whether she finds a way to be on the fulfilling path or the one that is just uh, conforming and resentful. So we are aiming for harmony, Tao harmony, not Wizard of Oz curtain harmony. We are not looking for the harmony promised by our governments, even as they sow conflict. We are looking for truth, internal truth. So I'm actually of the mind that there is always good in shadow. When the wolf steps into the light, it is often because we need to show our teeth. But if Little Red Riding Hood is in shadow, we might need to bring connection to family and ancestry. Our personal interpretation of that connection to family and ancestry. And we bring that into the light. One of the authors that I quote quite a bit because she talks about young and active imagination is Barbara Hanna. And she says that our getting out of bed on the wrong side in the morning is an apt description of a psychological condition of being out of harmony with our own unconscious. And then I've seen people who who do that and they decide that the conditions last the whole darned day. I talked about this a little bit in one of my podcasts. I can't remember which episode. It it was one of my old soul sojourns. I think it might have been episode two with Maura McMahon, where we talk about this tendency to make, oh yeah, because I think we were talking about mercury and retrograde and things like that and how it affects us. But if we get up on the wrong side of bed in the morning, then it's, it's, it's going to last the whole day. Or if Monday is a bad day, then the week's going to really be bad. And we have to be careful 
Because if we, if we think that way, we kind of make it so, but we don't have to think that way. So back to imaginal alchemy and having a conversation with yourself and the way we're, we're doing this, again, is through imagery. Particularly, I use the old soul oracle imagery, although I've used other imagery. But when you can have open and honest communication with yourself without being hung up on what follows, you have harmony. When you're doing your imaginal alchemy, you want to be alone as free as possible from being disturbed so that you can see and hear and sense what comes up from your unconscious. The unconscious is looking for the space and opportunity to express itself in some way. We can see around us that the very emphasis of life is external and we shut the lights on the internal. In fact, because the lights are out inside, uh, we're already in the darkness. It's very, very discouraged to listen to our intuition or to, to go within. In fact, for many, many centuries, the only wisdom that you could get would be from the priest. And it was actually sinful to try and get it any other way. We don't just live out our lives. We are not just bodies walking around on the earth with five external senses. We have internal senses too. We just need to wake them up a little bit. And sometimes that just means going within. We wake them up in a different way. It's not like opening our eyes and getting out of bed in the morning. It's actually going within and opening our inner senses. And for a lot of people, this is done through, through meditation. And there are some great ways to do this kind of work. I love Silva, the Silva method or Silva Ultramind. Um, I love shamanic journeying. These are some of the ways I love doing Akashic Records work. Uh, Reiki is a great way to open up some of these senses. But imaginal alchemy is really kind of a ground level way. When you don't have, it doesn't require classes or education or certifications. It um, is very accessible. So within a few steps, you can access your inner wisdom. And the first one then is that I just mentioned, be alone as free as possible from being disturbed. You want to practice using your inner senses. And I love to facilitate this with my clients and help them. For instance, if you want to, if you're not driving or doing something that, that requires your eyes to be open, you can close your eyes and I just want you to put your hand out. And I want you to imagine that I place something light. Maybe it's a half a pound. I want, I place it right into the palm of your hand. And I want you to get the sense that you feel this weight. Your eyes are closed. Your hand is out. Your palm is up. And I have placed something in your hand. Can you feel it? Can you imagine that you feel it? The imagination really comes into play here. So now I want you to take your other hand and I want you to wrap your hand around it. I want you to feel its oval shape with a couple little nubbies on the end. And it's kind of got a, a leathery skin. It's a little bit cold, but it's not wet. And it's got like dimples all over it. And I'm wondering if you're getting the sense that what I put into your hand is a lemon. 
Maybe you thought egg, that's kind of an oval. But once we got little nubbies on the end and we, we changed the skin and all this time your eyes are closed and you're getting a sense of the feel, the weight of that object in your hand. And then you've got a sense of the touch and maybe even an image is coming to your mind as this, as I'm describing it and forming it. Well, now I want you to imagine that you've placed this lemon onto a cutting board and I want you to take a knife and I want you to slice through it, imagining the resistance of cutting through a lemon, that first bit of going through the skin, how it's a little bit harder. And then you get to this point where you've got more of the fleshy fruit inside. And so it goes a little bit easier, although you're, the knife is on either side of the outside of the lemon cutting all the way down. And then it gets back to the bottom rind and it's just a just a tad, just a, a tiny tad more resistance until you've cut all the way through. And now I, you already can sense maybe the smell wafting up into your nose, but I want you to grab one half of that lemon and imagine, this is all happening in your imagination. I want you to imagine lifting up to your nose and smelling that citrusy scent. Maybe while you were cutting the lemon, you could hear the sound of the knife going through the lemon and hitting the cutting board as it went down. And so you can open your eyes now, but in reflecting on this, just think about which of those senses were the strongest. Now, if you can imagine that you're using those senses you can strengthen any one of them. So any one of them can be improved upon. And maybe you didn't see the color yellow quite yet in your brain, although that can be worked on too. Maybe it was just a sense of the color yellow. So this is, in a sense, how imaginal alchemy works. And that's how a lot of guided meditations work. But what we're doing with the imagery on these cards, which are like oracle cards, is actually taking what might be that lemon, let's say you see that lemon on a card and that you start to have a dialogue with the lemon. Hi, who are you? Well, I'm, you know, I'm the lemon. And you ask what the message is. And given whatever your situation is in the moment, maybe you just bought a computer and it doesn't work. And so the message is to do more homework before you make a big purchase because this computer was a lemon. Or maybe you're being encouraged to make lemonade. And of course, we're, we're relying on known metaphors, at least right now. But your interpretation may be something entirely different. So again, we're going to move on and we're going to get more specific about how the cards work. But so you've got yourself alone as free as possible from being disturbed so that you can see and hear and sense what comes up from your unconscious. And you'll have an easier time of this if you are alone and, and quiet and undisturbed, just like what we did with the lemon just now. So the space and the quiet is the waking equivalent to sleep, where the unconscious can freely rise to the surface. But being awake, both with active imagination and imaginal alchemy, we can take part in the drama in the former and the conversation in the latter. So then number two is you would get into a relaxed space. So first you're, you're alone, it's quiet. Now you want to get into a relaxed space, whether you're using a centering exercise like a Silva mind method, 
or you're doing a guided meditation like the one that I have on my website and uh, the one that I do with my facilitated Old Soul Oracle sessions, you want to basically just quiet the mind and get into a heart space where you can connect with that higher self that really does have your best interest at heart. And then what you would do is you would draw a card. Now, the images, some of them you might have seen on the website. If you've gone to my blog, you can see some of the images. They're done in a style that is somewhat reminiscent of of, of watercolor, but they're done with alcohol inks. And the images sometimes are suggestive of something. I call them abstract and semi-figurative. So it's not like a photograph of a landscape, which is pretty literal. These are more suggestive. So sometimes you'll see an angel, but if the angel is upside down, you know, my, my upside down angel is usually doing a cartwheel. And so that's kind of fun. But you start focusing on the, the imagery in the card, picking out something that really speaks to you. The interesting thing is not only are the interpretations different for you in any instance, the images can change for you, even while you're looking at the card, even in the process of a a session. Another important thing to note specifically about the Old Soul Oracle cards is that they don't have any orientation. There uh, There isn't a an upright reading or a reverse reading, like with many oracle card systems or the tarot. Well, there aren't any written interpretations or predetermined interpretations at all. But what I'm getting at is that I don't want you to think that because the angel is upside down, in this case, that there is something negative about the message. You want to tap into your heart and really see what the message might be for yourself. So there is no inherent positive or negative reading as with some oracle card systems. So then what you do is you start a dialogue. And again, those questions are, who are you? What is your message? What is that? Uh, What am I to do with this? What do you need from me? And remember, you're using this image as a proxy for your higher self, for your inner wisdom. So you are having a conversation with yourself. And you're using a card to facilitate it. So it might feel a little funny talking to a card, but you want to just relax into it and imagine that card as a representation of yourself. And then you want to intuit any other questions. So the upside down angel might be like, you know, I'm, I'm doing a cartwheel and maybe you should lighten up a little bit too. And so then I could say, what do you need or want from me? Which is one of the suggestion, suggested questions. Or I might say, well, what does cartwheeling, what might cartwheeling look like for me? And then the response that I intuit, again, my, my session, my interpretation, is that I might go out and play with my cat or my dog. Or I might take a walk or I might get out of the office. <laughs> it might be all sorts of things but it's entirely personal to me. While you're doing this process, you want to journal it. I cannot say enough times how important it is to journal and then to reread the messages weeks, months, um, you know, years even later. You will see such amazing growth. You will start to see synchronicities 
you will begin to know yourself, you'll begin to understand yourself, you will be more in touch with yourself and others. It's absolutely phenomenal, some of the responses that I've seen in myself and others. So there might be a question, how does this differ from lucid dreaming or from active imagination? And again, imaginal alchemy is not so much a drama or a, a movie in our minds as in a dream, but a conversation. Again, we're dialoguing and we're dialoguing hopefully into a journal or video or recorded by a facilitator. And that's a way to register the messages brought forth. The registering prevents the images and messages and therein the wisdom from disappearing from the conscious mind where we need it to be to integrate it. We don't want this exercise to remain a passing fancy, especially since we've undertaken the task with the goal of professional growth. So it is important to give our full conscious attention to what we say and do just as much as we would with a dialogue or drama in an outer situation, maybe more so, just to counter the fact that it's often so easily dismissed. This is one reason why we do not disconnect from our ego mind entirely, but what we do is we take away the analytical or judgmental overlay that often sits on top of our conversations. So we're simply allowing the ego mind or let's just say we're just allowing the mind to rest so that it doesn't call forth all the exterior voices it is so familiar with. I want you to say yes to yourself. The goal, although the journey is long, is to be able to say like Jung, an unconditional yes to that which is without subjective protests an acceptance of the conditions of existence as I see them and understand them, acceptance of my own nature as I happen to be. Doesn't that sound like Zen? So there is a part in Active Imagination that Barbara Hanna says, she calls it conversations with contents of the unconscious that appear personified. So the whole idea of imaginal alchemy is to give you the personification or give you the opportunity through the card to find within you that personage that needs to speak. So this is the essence of Old Soul Oracle and imaginal alchemy. And it seems to have developed of its own accord for me as a result of years of varying influences and study, none of which until just recently were Hannah's book, Active Imagination, or Young's book, uh, also by the same name. Young himself would have called this a synchronicity. It's almost like the work I was doing led me to them. So I was on this path and then found that there was resonance in Young's work and those who have written about it. Um, there are many others who, who write about uh, young and active imagination. I, I did mention in the last podcast, Imaginal Alchemy Part 1, uh, Eligio Stephen Gallegos, who has expanded on at least the ideas of the cognitive functions that Young put forth, thinking, feeling, sensing, and intuition, 
and made it thinking, feeling, sensing, and imagery. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the imagery, hopefully as you've been able to realize through imaginal alchemy. And I echo Gallegos, um, his sentiment that intuition can be found in all of them. So again, Jung himself would have called this a synchronicity and might have suggested that I was able to tap into a collective unconscious that held this information. There also exists the possibility that I read it and didn't realize it. I cannot say for certain when and if I read this far in her book. I only know I have had it for a time, the book, and was drawn to it and others like it for a reason. So according to Hannah, it is very important to know to whom one is speaking and not take every voice as utterly divinely inspired words. Because imaginal alchemy is a visualization of sorts, and one of the first questions we ask is, who are you or what do you represent? We don't have to worry about speaking to the wrong voices or misinterpreting their messages. It is also unwise to cling to the positive and minimize the negative. The danger here is less about new age type positive thinking and more about thinking of good and evil as absolute opposites. To do so would be to categorically deny our own voice again for the interpretation of some outside source, religious, political, or otherwise. So there are two ways to approach imaginal alchemy, specifically the old soul oracle images. One is to wait for an image to appear that pops out at us and seems to speak to us strongly, even before we can sense what it has to say. The other way is to focus on the first image that appears, figuring that it appeared for some reason and not let it go until we inquire of its message. This happens to be more important in active imagination where the images are conjured from nothing and not the images of Old Soul Oracle, which are slightly more suggestive. The potential pitfall of the first way is that we dismiss a message, convincing ourselves we are not ready to hear it or doubting its validity somehow. It is incredible how often we doubt the validity of our own voices, but working with a facilitator can help you overcome this tendency. Still, no image must be worked with as an absolute rule. It's okay to move on, but we also must be aware that if we're always moving on, there's probably something that needs to be dealt with. And that might be with a facilitator or it might be with some type of um, psychologist, psychiatrist, or other therapist. Now, the benefit of the dialogue method is that it is very active and participatory by necessity until it's not. Even a short conversation is a conversation and there is value. I've had some days where I've asked two questions, written down one or two sentences, and I was done. And there are days for that. And there are days where it's like uh, total automatic writing and I've written for 10 pages and, and it's mind-boggling, but very, very, very inspiring and helpful. So with active imagination, which is a conjured visualization, there is more possibility one could choose to remain outside the drama, letting it be passive. Again, this is my fear for other types of oracle cards, is the, the allowance that they might just sit on the top, sit on the surface, like I've mentioned before, letting them be passive. They can prevent us like active imagination in this method, from being able to come to terms with our unconscious. It becomes more like watching a movie, albeit of ourselves perhaps, but still a movie. The other equivalent of this is to, con to only consult others for, for oracular interpretations or relying on dream and symbol dictionaries for interpretation.
So with imaginal alchemy, it's an active process. You don't have other interpretations to rely on. You can't just read a book and say, that's that and move on. You're actively conversing. You're actively dialoguing. The whole part of journaling keeps you in the moment or using a facilitator. You might not be journaling, but the facilitator is there to assist you with staying in the moment and you become an active participant. You become both the questioner and the answerer and sometimes swapping spaces. You are the conversationalists, plural. You are the image in that your higher self, your inner wisdom is speaking and you are the person consulting. I like to call it a conciliate because the whole idea of to reconcile or to concile is to be in agreement. And so a conciliate isn't actually a noun, but if I could make it one, that's what it would be. It would be someone seeking agreement with themselves. Somebody who's looking to reconcile their own self. So how do you how do you do this? Do you work with one image a day? Do you work with three? Do you do you have a set time? It, it is actually quite flexible. Like I said, I've worked with three images a day and I've written, you know, 10, 12 pages between the three images. I've worked with one image a day and had a few sentences. It it really varies. Sometimes when I'm tired, the best wisdom that I can hear is that's enough, we are done go rest or go spend time with your husband or, you know, and sometimes I'm, I'm really in the mood to dig deep and to really explore my thoughts on things and, and to open my eyes and my mind to sometimes radical new ideas that are very, very different from the way that I was brought up. And it's actually been really, really wonderful. So here's a quote I want to end on. It's from the Starseed Transmissions, which is by Ken Carey. And it says, could this awareness be expressed, articulated, recorded in words? Language only limits perception when its terms are taken too seriously. Taken lightly, the attempt to find words to record our impressions can help us to perceive more fully. Verbalizing this awareness would challenge me to clarify my experience of it. Yet its very nature seemed to defy definition. To translate it into symbolic characters on sheets of paper would be like trying to channel a river through an hourglass. The very impossibility of the task intrigued me. I put a new ribbon in the typewriter. I love that quote because it really talks about the challenge of trying to take this work, this imaginal alchemy, this working with imagery, and to put it into words. And sometimes words aren't the biggest or the strongest uh, asset that people have, sometimes writing or their way, their way of expressing something is better done through art or through music, or it's, it's like they're just not comfortable with their own words and how to lay them out. And that's okay. But I also say, challenge yourself like Ken Carey did. He was receiving um, some channeled information. It's actually quite a, an interesting book to read. I really enjoyed it. it, opened my eyes to some new ideas again, but challenge yourself, challenge yourself to open up to your own inner wisdom, to work with imagery that is like shapes and clouds, 
like looking at tree trunks for faces or or shapes. Those are the types of images where you, you really kind of want to see something in something else, like patterns in leaves, like light forms. These are the types of images, whether you choose to use Old Soul Oracle images or not, that can really help open your imagination. They can help you tap into this part of you and open a dialogue to truly hear your own voice. This has been Imaginal Alchemy Part 2. It's an interesting challenge for me too to put this into words. This process isn't easy to describe because I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist like Young, and it's not your typical way of using oracle type cards and I call it old soul oracle and I do believe it is an oracle but it's also a misnomer because of the the way we perceive oracle cards and tarot and things like that again I think I mentioned on the last imaginal alchemy part one episode 17 this isn't fortune telling it's not predictive it's prescriptive it gives us options it allows us to consider things and again to contemplate to take something into the temple of our heart and and work through it and to decide whether it fits us in our authenticity in the moment again this changes throughout our life and we have to be flexible lest we find ourselves on shaky ground so my friends again thank you for listening my name is Michelle Janae. On behalf of Old Soul Archaeology, thank you for listening, and until next time, dig deep. <laughs>